just to start off, um, if we could talk about the baby formula shortage going on right now, I know a lot of parents here on the High Line are struggling as well as those across the state and country to, to find baby formula. Um, what do you think that um, can be done to, to help rectify this situation? Well, we live in a country where every young family shouldn't struggle to find baby formula. That's why recently I teamed up with 18 other governors uh, to make some recommendations to the Biden administration on what they should do to fix this problem immediately. This was created by the Biden administration. They can fix it. First, uh, we need to provide some regulatory relief. Uh, the president of the United States should temporarily suspend all the red tape that prevents safe formula coming into the country from foreign countries. Uh, and also, we need to reform the supply chain. Over 8 million Americans regularly purchase formula. They need reliable supply. With the stroke of a pen, the Biden administration can fix this problem that they created. And um, another issue making the rounds up here is in terms of the northern border. I know both uh, Senators Tester and Danes recently sent a letter to um, a Senate of Appropriations Committee. They're asking for more funding for the northern border. Here in Haver, the uh, Wild Horse Port is uh, not opening for the summer hours. It's just the normal eight to five um, indefinitely. And the and the chief uh, port of Wild, or chief, excuse me, the um, port of Chief Mountain over by Glacier is closed indefinitely it sounds like it's probably not going to be opening for the season what what can what have you and what can you do as as governor to try to find a solution here well i've i've brought uh customs and border patrol folks together multiple times up there uh, this is an ongoing battle we need to keep these ports open uh they're critical to commerce for family relationships and uh, when i was up in uh along the Canadian border uh, in Montana. You know, I spoke with families who, you know, have grandparents across the border. The, the families are actually split. Uh, this has dramatic impact when these, when these hours are restricted. We need to keep these ports open, and we'll continue to advocate for it. And the, the Canadian government recently announced through at least the end of this month, they're still having the vaccination requirement to cross the border uh, if people don't want to quarantine for 14 days. You still have any thoughts on that? Are you going to continue to push to to end that requirement? Well, we we uh, I joined with uh, uh, the premier of Alberta, uh, many other border states here. We wrote to both Joe Biden and uh, Trudeau, saying, "Guys, come on, open it up. You can do this. Uh, there's no reason why there are reasonable precautions that could be taken uh, to continue to perpetuate this economic pandemic that's they've created." Uh, to try and deal with the health care issue just doesn't make any sense. So uh, I, I just I just wish that the, there could be a little more common sense applied. We could get this border open back up and remove these restrictions. And another hot button issue. Now, it's been more than a week since the mass shooting um, in Uvalde, Texas, and there's been other mass shootings since. Um, do you have, I guess, what, what solutions from your office or do you suggest the legislature take up to, to try to curb this uh, this traumatic, uh, occur ongoing, um, mass shootings that seem to be going on in this country. Yeah. And Josh, I'm, I'm a dad of uh, a school teacher, uh, and, uh, the son of a school teacher and what happened in Uvalde, incredible tragedy that should never happen in any of our communities. Teachers 
and children ought to be able to go to a safe, secure school without fear. Uh, but instead of restricting our Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens, which criminals or mentally ill folks are not going to abide by anyway, um, to prevent mass shootings, we've, we've got to make schools safer, number one. And secondly, just as important, probably more important, we've got to ensure young people who struggle with mental health issues get the support they need. And, and honestly, that's why we've been working so hard to get mental health services into rural Montana. And I would just say to folks in schools, if you see someone who is isolated by themselves, depressed, acting oddly, be a good Samaritan, uh, be a friend, and help them get help. And um, do you believe, I guess, 18-year-olds, those under 21, should be able to legally purchase, you know, AR-15-style weapons? Um, You know, I believe the Second Amendment is very, very clear. Um, I think the issue is the mental health issue, and we ought to get people that are ill the help that they need. And you you mentioned strengthening schools. What ideas, what suggestions do you have for that? I know a bunch of things have been floated around the last 10 days or so. Well, I think we need to make sure tools are available to local school boards to make the decisions that are right for the local community. I I just don't think a one-size-fits-all makes sense. And what we need to do in Haver is going to be different than what they need to do in New York City. Uh, So I'd like to – there's discussion in Washington about providing additional resources to local schools. Uh, and then it, in my mind, I'm I'm a big believer in local control. Local school boards ought to be able to make the decisions to to make sure they have a safe and secure uh, learning environment for the kids. In terms of funding strengthening schools, is that something that could be done through the state legislature? Is that something that you'd advocate for? Um, you know, we're putting together plans for 2023. Uh, we haven't rolled out specific items yet, but we need to have secure schools. And moving on to um, a story that came out recently from Kaiser Health News, they um, said that you guys, the DPHHS has hired um, Mike Randall to to lead the uh, Medicaid program here in Montana and says that he's had a a past where other states where he's uh, helped turn it into a managed care. Is that the plan here in Montana to to kind of move it to a managed care system? And and what should people on Medicaid uh, be aware of or know? Yeah, so we need to do what's right for Montana. We are thrilled to get him on board. He's a very he's a great talent. We've been continuing to upgrade the team at DPHHS, uh, and we have an obligation. I've been very clear. You know, the the Medicaid expansion we did is now providing services for over a hundred thousand people. We can't yank that carpet out from anybody, um, but there are opportunities. I think better is always possible, and the measurement we're going to use is are we taking care of the most vulnerable and are we increasing access and are we keeping the cost of health care down those are the those are the uh the uh the the tests that we're going to use for any policy that might be proposed and another topic um in terms of uh, unemployment and the economy how are things looking i know in terms of i believe it was the april numbers that came in were it continued record low unemployment the May numbers haven't come out, but is it still looking like the economy in, in the state's strong despite really high inflation? Well, our, our comeback plan is working. Uh, I inherited unemployment that was 
uh, 4.5%. We're now at 2.3%. Uh, more people are working in Montana than ever in its history. Uh, Montana's unemployment is now the fifth lowest in the country, well below the national rate. Uh, and it, it happened because Montanans are hardworking. Uh, we cut taxes. We've rolled back red tape. Uh, and we've been working to help employers att attract and retain uh, their workers. And this is really critical. So I'm, uh, Montana's open for business. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to see this has created a tight labor market uh, because unemployment is so low. And that's why we've been investing in trades education and working with employers to help them build workforce pipelines. That's creating better outcomes for individuals. And it's helping our Montana uh economy grow and in terms of fire season you know with summer just starting um i know you received the annual fire briefing pretty recently what's the, kind of the outlook on on fires here in the state and what can people do to prevent because a majority of fires are human started yeah that's right about 80 percent of the wildland fires we see in montana are human caused so my first ask for everybody is when you're out in the woods recreating along the river just be careful Please uh, take precautions, uh, just be careful of open flames uh, and, and everything else that can spark these fires. Uh, I did have the briefing. I had all our federal partners and state resources together in one room. And here's the bottom line. Uh, we look a little better than last year, but it's still really dry out there. So the two things the state's doing, one, we need to start managing our forests again. And I'm proud to share with you, Josh, that we doubled the number of acres under active forest management last year to this year in a single year. We're going to continue to expand that using the Good Neighbor Authority. We need to be better stewards of the forest. And then secondly, when fires start, and they will, uh, we're pursuing uh, an aggressive attack approach to all fires under state control. Last year, 95% of the fires that started that were under state control, we kept to less than 10 acres. Uh, I've encouraged our federal partners, both the Forest Service and um, uh, BLM, uh, to adopt the same policy. Uh, we're still working out the details on that, but we need to, when, in, when conditions are dry and our homes, our communities, our forests are at risk, we need to be aggressive in attacking these fires and putting them out while they're still small. And the Forest Service recently announced they're putting, you know, a, a pause on all prescribed burns after one got out of control in, in New Mexico and became, became a huge fire. Is that a concern? Do you, do you, I guess do you believe that prescribed burns are one of the, the tools that can be utilized to prevent large fires during the peak of fire season? Yeah, per, prescribed burns are, are part of the recipe, uh, but they should be done at times of the year when the fires can be controlled. Uh, it's a great way to remove excess fuels, um, but uh, you know clearly they should be not not be used when the when the conditions are dry or the wind is blowing. And I know we're bouncing around here, but time is limited, so I, I would like to ask if you you had any comment on um, Superintendent of Public Instruction Elsie Arntzen pleading no contest uh, this week to uh, passing a school bus with its stop arm extended. I don't have any specific comment there. Okay. And then um, lastly, while I've got you here, I know you were visiting the High Line um, last month as part of your 56-county tour. Can you tell everybody kind of what you learned from the, the, the tour and um, how you're going to use that knowledge as governor? Well, I'll say first, uh, I love getting out. Uh, I, I, I hired a good team at the agencies. I get them lined out on Mondays, and 
I traveled the state the rest of the week. So I was up in Hill County, Blaine County. I was back up in Cascade County. Uh, in Hill, I met with teachers to discuss the TEACH Act. I was encouraged. A number of them shared with me that they took the jobs as entry-level teachers because of the TEACH Act. It bumped their pay about $3,500. Uh, we had 450 teachers statewide take advantage of the TEACH Act. That was great. Uh, over in Blaine County, I presented uh, Haley Mitchell a Spirit of Montana award there at the Chinook uh, High School. And uh, boy, that was fun. Uh, her whole family was there. Uh, she showed real entrepreneurial spirit, and it was great to be able to go and honor her. Uh, in terms of the roundtables and discussions with county commissioners and farmers and ranchers and uh, law enforcement, you know, clearly it's dry. Uh, we need to continue to pray for rain. People are concerned about inflation. Uh, we continue to call on the Biden administration to shut off the spigot of spending that's making every one of our dollars uh, go less less far, and to abandon this anti-American energy policy that shut down the Keystone XL and is driving gasoline and diesel prices through the roof. So uh, there are there's optimism. Montanans are resilient. Uh, we're excited about uh, the moisture we've been getting in certain portions of the state. Certainly, we need more up along the High Line. Uh, but uh, I think our best days are ahead of us. And just with the election coming up on Tuesday, do you have any message to, to uh, voters here in Montana? Yeah, get out and vote. Make sure your voice is heard. Uh, elections matter. Uh, we see the difference across the country in uh, pro-business, uh, uh, pro-individual freedom, uh, and the impact it has. We see it in the economy here in Montana. And I would just make sure you get to know the candidates Make sure you vote and your voice is heard. Anything else you'd like to add before I let you go, Governor? I just want to say that, you know, being Montana's 25th governor is the greatest honor of my life. I'll be out on the road again next week. Uh, we'll be up in Fergus, Petroleum, uh, and many of the other 11 counties next week, I think, uh, doing events, talking to folks. And uh, if there's something we can help with, don't hesitate to reach out to our office. You can go to, uh, uh, you can email me at governor at mt.gov. We'd love to hear from you. We'll get right back. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate uh, giving me a few minutes this morning. Okay. Thank you, Josh. Thank you.